voice of minnesota it's fyi politics with brett johnson it is the last live show that i am going to be doing of 2020 as we have some best of content lined up for you on new year's day and new year's eve and then our big new schedule change takes place next week you've probably been hearing promos about this as we are adding more live shows to our lineup here on am 950 and let's run through that whole schedule because uh, some of these changes are pretty significant and you might have to change your listening habits here on AM950. So the way it's going to work is that mornings stay the same. We still got Santita Jackson, who is going to broadcast every day from 6 until 8 a.m. Stephanie Miller, still going to be on the airwaves every day from 8 to 11. Got Tom Hartman from 11 until 2. But then once we hit the afternoon, that's when the changes begin to occur as starting this coming Monday, January 4th, the Devil's Advocates radio show, both Dom and Crute, going to be taking over our airwaves every day from 2 until 4 o'clock. Had a chance to meet Dom and Crute when they were in town for Super Tuesday. Great guys. If you haven't heard their show, which currently airs overnights here on AM 950, I think you're really going to enjoy them as we'll be broadcasting the Devil's Advocates live every day from 2 until 4 o'clock. So your next question might be, well, what's going to happen to your local programming? Well, the answer is that Matt McNeil is going to be getting a newly expanded show that will be airing every day from 4 until 6 p.m. Then from 6 until 7, we've got Native Roots Radio with Robert Pilot, which is going to get its own daily time slot. So from 4 until 7, that's when you'll be able to catch our local programming on AM 950. Again, Matt McNeil from 4 until 6 every day and Robert Pilot from 6 until 7. Now, if you're wondering, well, what's happening to me? Well, I'll still be part of Matt McNeil's show as I'll be doing uh, some recurring segments every week that I'm sure you'll look forward to. So I won't be hosting a daily show anymore, but you'll still get your dose of me, I guess, on Matt McNeil's show uh, coming up a few times a week. Schedule change going to help me out as I got some new projects that I am going to be working on in 2021. So stay tuned for that. But essentially, that's our new schedule when it comes to the afternoons. We got the Devil's Advocates from 2 to 4, Matt McNeil 4 to 6, Robert Pilot from 6 until 7, Bradcast stays at 7 p.m., then we got Rick Unger who will now air from 8 until 10, Randy Rhodes from 10 until midnight, and then if you're a fan of Democracy Now!, catch that early in the mornings every day at 5 a.m., Find that full schedule over at am950radio.com. But had to go through our schedule as we are making those big changes that do take effect next week. So, again, you'll still be able to hear me on Matt McNeil's show a couple of times a week. So I won't be completely going away, even though this essentially will be, well, the last live show I'll be doing. Well, not live show, last recorded show I'll be doing here of 2020 until we switch around our local programming. So being that you are listening to this show on December 30th, I figure we would do a year in review because believe it or not, by the way, I'm joined by Patrick Lilia on the other side of the production glass. 
There were other news events that took place besides COVID and the U.S. presidential election. Yeah, I know, hard to believe. And we're going to go through some of those events a little bit later in the show, especially uh, January and February. Those are two months you probably forgot about when we were living in a COVID-free world. So we'll be doing that in the second half of the show. But here in segment one, I want to do something and hold myself accountable to what I did at the end of 2019. So, Patrick, what I did at the end of 2019, in fact, I think I did this on December 30th of that year, I made a blog post on am950radio.com making my political predictions for 2020. And I even promised on that blog post that I would revisit my predictions at the end of this year, and lo and behold, we're going to do that. So, as I look back at the predictions I made as of December 30th, of 2019, my political predictions, I was actually pretty spot on on a few of these and wildly off on some others. So I want to go ahead and read through uh, some of the predictions I made for the 2020 election cycle. Again, I, I was right on some of these and then completely off on others. So you're ready to do this here, Patrick. By the way, did you end up making not like any formal predictions, but were you sitting there and thinking maybe at the end of 2019 or early 2020, you know, this is what I'm predicting might happen politically here for 2020. Did, did you do something like that at all? I actually thought Donald Trump was going to get reelected. And then I think, well, well, we'll talk about why I think he didn't get reelected. Okay, so you sort of made your own predictions, too. Now, I actually have mine written down, so you can lie and just tell me you were right about everything. You could have said, well, I predicted that the Democrats would still have Joe Biden win but lose two ten seats in the U.S. House. I don't think anyone did that, but you can be on the record and say that. But <laughs> I take it that wasn't your prediction, though, was it? I predicted the vote totals right down to the last digit. Right down to the last vote. You predicted Donald Trump would somehow get 75 million votes popular votes. I don't think anyone called that happening either. All right, so let's run through some of the predictions I made on December 30th of 2019. And I'm pretty impressed with myself considering I made all of these predictions prior to the major news events we saw happen in 2020. So we'll start off here at the state level and the state Senate, since that was the big battle in Minnesota politics in 2020. Who was going to control the state Senate? Now, heading into the 2020 election cycle, the Republicans held a very narrow 35 to 32 majority, and the DFL was pretty optimistic that they were going to be able to flip enough seats to retain their majority. And I was pretty bullish on those chances, too. So here we go. Here are my predictions for the state Senate in Minnesota. My original call was that the Democrats were going to flip four seats while Republicans would flip none. In essence, I was guessing that the DFL would have a 36 to 31 majority in the state Senate. Obviously, I was wrong on that as it was Republicans who actually now have a 34 to 31 to two majority. The reason I put that little two in there is that, well, we had Tom Bach and David Tomasoni, two former DFLers, declare their independence from the party. So 
while it looked like we might have just a one-seat Republican majority, it actually is now three seats with both Bach and Thomasoni. Uh, leaving the DFL to join their new independent caucus. Gee, would have been nice if they had done that before the election. So the main reason I was predicting, at least originally, that the DFL was going to flip four seats was that I thought they would have a lot of pickup opportunities in the, in the suburbs, especially that Warren Limmer seat up in Maple Grove. But as I talked about many times on the show after November 3rd, uh, that race ended up coming about 900 votes short for the DFL to flip that seat. Democrats also lost a seat in Burnsville. Uh, who am I thinking of? The uh, It was the former, or not Burnsville, the former mayor of Lakeville who lost, or Matt Little, that's who I'm thinking of. That was a pretty shocking loss for the DFL and a reason why Republicans were able to maintain their majority. So even though I was thinking the DFL would have a chance to pick up a number of these state Senate seats, just didn't happen. And I thought really like the gun issue would come into play, especially with some of these suburban Republicans, but didn't happen whatsoever. And I thought the Democratic nominee at the time would also have more coattails. Obviously not the case either. So at least as I look at some of my state level predictions, this is probably the one, Patrick, I was most surprised about. I really thought the DFL at the least would have like a 34-33 majority. Again, my prediction was 36-31, but nonetheless, Republicans going to maintain that majority. Did that surprise you at all? It did a little bit, but like you were saying, there were just a bunch of races that the Democrats came close but didn't pull out like the two Rochester area seats the uh the Republicans flipped the one uh I don't know if that's Austin Albert Lee right. that oh yes that um, was another Sparks, yeah. yeah Dan Sparks um St. Cloud I think the Democrats had designs on both those seats ultimately they flipped the one in the recount mm-hmm. but you know there were a lot of places that the Democrats looked and just came up short Yeah, and as uh, I'm reading through what I wrote back on December 30th of 2019, I thought my logic was pretty sound in that there were a number of Republican senators who were now representing districts that had two DFL House members due to the 2018 midterms. And I was thinking, well, if Dems flip those House seats in 2018, they're probably going to flip that Senate seat in 2020. But not the case is they did lose several close elections. And even as we pointed out, as you said, with Sparks and I was bringing up with Matt Little, they even lost some ground, which certainly was a killer. And in fact, if the DFL had not lost those two incumbent seats, they would be in the majority right now. So as I'm actually looking at this through, I said the DFL would flip four seats. They ended up only flipping three. The problem was, though, they lost two seats, which is the difference in control of that chamber. All right, here's one where I did a little bit better. That comes down to the State House of Representatives. So heading into the election, uh, the Democrats had a 75 to 55, or 75 to, I'm doing the math here, uh, Real quick, what is 134 minus uh, 75? 59. So the Dems had a 75-59 majority in the state house. Now, I was predicting that the Republicans would flip six seats, Democrats would flip two, and that would overall lead to a net gain of four for the GOP. I was not far off on this. 
In fact, the net gain for the GOP turned out to be five, as the real majority will be 70 to 64 for the Democrats. I was predicting it would only be 71.59, so I didn't do too bad on that one, so there you go. How about the U.S. Senate race? I was way off on this one, Patrick. So Tina Smith versus Jason Lewis. I was predicting Tina Smith would win by about 10 to 12 percentage points. Tina Smith won by, what do you say, like only five points, something like that? Yeah, I think so, because Biden won, I think it was by seven or eight, and he was doing quite a bit better than Tina Smith was. Yeah, and so... As he as he said, yeah, no coattails for Joe Biden there, as it was Tina Smith winning, but by a much more narrow margin than I thought. And I think that's really the entire story. As I look at my predictions, I I think it came down to the fact that I was believing that the Democratic nominee would have more coattails down ballot, and that just overall wasn't the case when you look at again at the state legislature and how Republicans did better than they thought, and even in this U.S. Senate race where Jason Lewis came close to winning. All right, how about on the U.S. House side? I predicted every single incumbent would win. I was close. One incumbent did lose, and that would be everyone's favorite Democrat, Colin Peterson. Now, I guess I wasn't shocked that Colin Peterson lost. I think I was more surprised by the margin at which he lost, which I believe was a little over a double-digit mark. I think he lost by slightly over 10 points, which surprised me quite a bit because he had hung on to that seat even in typically friendly Republican years like 2014 and 16. But this time, Michelle Fishbach knocked him off and... I guess, like I said, I'm not so surprised that Colin Peterson lost. I was a little more surprised by the margin in that race. How about you? Yeah, same. And especially uh, the ag industry put a lot of money into keeping Colin Peterson in that seat. So it wasn't like he didn't have people who wanted him to stay there. Yeah, no kidding. And, well, the way the Congress works right now is that seniority gets you power, especially if you're in a leadership position. That's an entirely different discussion I think we need to have on reforming the way that we set up our leadership within both the Senate and the House. But Colin Peterson was a very powerful member of the U.S. House and brought a lot of money to that district. And I think it's something that people that live in CD7 might regret when they realize that not as much money is going to be coming to their district without Colin Peterson. All right, let's take a break and come on back and go through some of my predictions that I made at the federal level, including the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, and presidential election, including one area where I was almost spot on with what I predicted back in 2019. So we'll continue our year-in-review show on FYI Politics with Brett Johnson coming up next. FYI Politics with Brett Johnson. It is my last show of 2020, at least the last new show of 2020, until we have our big schedule change next week where I'll be part of the Matt McNeil Show, which will be airing weekdays from 4 until 6 p.m. You can find our full, new, revamped schedule that will be taking effect on Monday, January 4th over at am950radio.com. So 
on my last show of 2020, figured I would review some of the predictions I made back on December 30th of 2019. That would be one year ago today. And as we talked about in the last segment, at least with some of these Minnesota races, I was good in some areas, notably the State House, and not so good in other areas, especially predicting that U.S. Senate race with Jason Lewis and Tina Smith, and the State Senate, where I was predicting Dems would get the majority. Of course, I was wrong on that. So let's take a look at what happened, at least at the federal level. So in the U.S. House, I was predicting, well, let's back up for a second. So Heading into the 2020 election cycle on the U.S. House, Dems held a 232 to 198 majority. There were also five vacancies. And I was thinking that while Democrats probably will do pretty well in the presidential election, they're going to lose seats in the U.S. House simply because they have. They came into the election with a very big majority. And my prediction was that Republicans would flip eight seats, Democrats would flip three, which would, of course, be a net gain of five seats for Republicans. Now, the actual results for that Republicans got a net gain of 10 seats. But I'm still actually pretty happy with my prediction here, Patrick, considering that most people were predicting that Democrats could gain anywhere from 10 to 12 seats. No one was thinking that the Dems would actually lose seats in the U.S. House. Turns out I was correct with that prediction I made back on December 30th of 2019. So I'm pretty happy with myself in terms of my prediction. Not so much on the results, but... Yeah, I could kind of see this coming where typically you're not going to see big waves in a presidential election when it comes to Congress and largely right here with Republicans making some small gains. What about you? What did you think? I didn't really go that deep into predicting. Um, okay. I, I didn't go that deep into my predictions. Yeah, you're not you're not quite as nerdy on me on that top. <laughs> so there you go. How about the U.S. Senate side? So. Heading into the election, Republicans had a 53-47 majority back on this state last year. I was guessing that the Republicans would flip Alabama while Democrats would flip Arizona, Colorado, and Maine. I was almost exactly right on this. Republicans did, in fact, flip Alabama. Democrats did flip Arizona and Colorado. They didn't get Maine, though, which really surprised me when you consider that Susan Collins represents a very blue state. Maine voted for Joe Biden by about 10 percentage points, but she still managed to win re-election. That was perhaps the most surprising result to me on election night was that Susan Collins outperformed Donald Trump by well over 10 percentage points. I thought especially with that Kavanaugh vote back in 2018, she would be post in 2020. But ticket splitters still exist. (laughs) I have no idea why they do, but Susan Collins hung on, and that's a big reason why, at least for now, Republicans have a 50 to 48 majority, although Dems could still, of course, flip those two Georgia Senate seats. By the way, I headed into this election thinking Republicans would hang on to both of those. So if Republicans do hang on to win both of those Georgia seats, uh, I would be pretty much spot on with my prediction. I came into the uh, year thinking Republicans would get a 51-49 majority, and right now they're up 50-48. to So I guess good on me for coming somewhat close on the U.S. Senate predictions. 
All right, and finally, the main event, the presidential election. Here's what I was thinking back on December 30th of 2019. My prediction, I actually thought was pretty close. I was guessing that whoever the Democratic nominee would be, again, this is back on December 30th of 2019, would win the popular vote by five percentage points, but still lose the Electoral College 270 to 268. In fact, I thought the Democratic nominee would only be able to flip Michigan and Pennsylvania from Trump to Democrat when it turns out, of course, Joe Biden flipped more than that. He flipped Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. So I was a little bit wrong on the Electoral College, but pretty much spot on when it comes to the popular vote, since Joe Biden looks like he will win the popular vote by about four and a half percentage points. But I was uh, very pessimistic in thinking that we could run into that nightmare scenario where you have a Democratic nominee winning the presidential election by a substantial margin, but still losing the Electoral College. And we weren't far from that scenario, even though Joe Biden, of course, is going to be the president of the United States. It only took a few thousand votes in states like Wisconsin, Michigan, or Arizona. And we could have been looking at that nightmare scenario that I predicted back in 2019, where we would have a Democrat win the popular vote by like four or five percentage points, but still have the Republican win the Electoral College. But nonetheless, uh, the Dems did just enough. As I said, on November 4th, them squeaked by, did Joe Biden, and ended up winning the election. But uh, I was at least right on the popular vote margin, predicting about five percentage points, but not so much right on the Electoral College. What were you thinking about with the presidential election heading into this year, Patrick? Well, I thought Donald Trump had a good chance at being reelected up until this year. There weren't any major national crises that had occurred in his first three years. The economy was perceived to be doing really well. And then the coronavirus came in. And someone who I associate with on a message board had an opinion that made a lot of sense. He said, Donald Trump, when the coronavirus hit, it showed people just how selfish he is, how much he only cares about himself how he really could not give a crap about who got this and who died Mm -hmm. and anything that happened regarding the, the virus. And that got a lot of people off the fence or who weren't going to come out to vote. And I think he said that motivated them to, because they, they learned just how selfish he actually was. And then, he may actually made another interesting comparison, and uh, sorry, we're going to be, we can probably, well, I'm sure we will be talking about this later, but he said if that was the gasoline on his reelection chances, George Floyd was the match. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. A comment you made just a few moments ago, I think really summed up what happened in 2020 is that. Heading into this election cycle, you were right. Donald Trump had really not experienced any sort of crises during his administration, which is very unusual. Normally, during your first term as being president of the United States, you at least experience one major crisis. But that didn't happen for Trump until we, well, headed into 2020 when we had the combination of the George Floyd death and uh, also 
COVID-19. So I think you are correct that that probably did push a lot of people over the edge in saying that, yeah, we can't elect this clown one more time. But yeah, without COVID and without the racial protests we saw uh, earlier this year, I'm guessing Trump probably would have won re-election. And I would have gone along with your same thinking that if the economy is generally perceived as doing well, the president is going to get reelected. And that was very much the case at the end of 2019. Now, whether that was a reality is an entirely different question. I don't think the economy was doing as well as people were saying back in 2019. But the perception is all that counts. And I think, yeah, without all the crap we had happen in 2020, uh, Trump probably would have won re-election. All right, let's take a break and come on back with more on our year-in-review show here on FYI Politics with Brett Johnson. Stay with us. We're back on FYI Politics with Brett Johnson. It is the last new show I'll be doing of 2020 as we have some best of content lined up for the next two holidays, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Then we have our new schedule debuting next week where I'll be part of the Matt McNeil show that you can hear every weekday from 4 until 6 p.m. Find our full new schedule over at am950radio.com, which will include the Devil's Advocates, of course, being Live every day from 2 until 4, Matt McNeil from 4 until 6, and then Native Ritz Radio airing daily from 6 until 7. That new programming schedule takes place and goes into effect next Monday. Again, find details over at am950radio.com. So for this final segment on FYI Politics with Brett Johnson here on our December 30th, 2020 version of the show, that I would continue with our year in review and talk about some of the major news stories of 2020. Yeah, there were other stories besides COVID and the presidential election and some of the racial protests that we saw take place. Yeah, there actually were other stories. So we're going to quickly run through some of these. So we'll start off with January 2nd of 2020. That would be New South Wales and Australia declaring a state of emergency over bushfires. Yeah, this feels like it was years and years ago, but Australia was on fire for most of 2020 and is still kind of the case right now. So, yeah, that happened uh, January 2nd of this year. January 26th, that was when Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. And prior to COVID, Patrick, this probably would have been like one of the biggest two or three news stories, if not maybe even the biggest news story of 2020. I mean, it seems trivial right now to maybe trivial is not the right way to describe it. But going back to January 26th, that was a big, big story when Kobe Bryant died in that helicopter crash. Absolutely. That was just a, a shocking, just absolutely unbelievable moment. And as you said, without COVID and without the, the, without the George Floyd and racial protests that followed that, I think certainly – you know, it's actually something I think about every, you know, few weeks. That was, gee, 11 months ago now as of, uh, I think it would have been uh, Saturday this past weekend. 
We haven't gotten a crash report yet about that. We don't. Mm. We, there has been no official determination about what happened in that accident. Yeah, you're right. And as I'm thinking about this here, I don't even know if this would be considered the Kobe Bryant death would be considered among like the top ten biggest news stories of 2020 with all that's happened. But at least as of January, I was thinking that would have been one of the two or three biggest news stories of the year. But, oh, 2020 had so much more in store for us. Uh, let's keep going on. January 30th, that is when the WHO officially declares the coronavirus as a global health emergency, which just to show you how good of a job they actually do over at the WHO, despite some of the criticism they get at the time when they made that announcement, the WHO said there were only 98 cases in 18 other countries except China and no deaths were recorded. Again, to tell you how much uh, infectious disease experts really do know what they're talking about. They could see this coming in January 30th when we only had a total of 98 other cases outside of China. They still knew that this uh, train was coming down the tracks. Continuing along, uh, I specifically remember what I was doing on this date, February 5th. That is when Donald Trump was acquitted on articles of impeachment. I remember getting my oil changed over at my uh, car dealership place. And as I was sitting there in the lobby that was on the TV as they were going through the roll call, the only real surprise was when Mitt Romney did end up voting to convict Donald Trump. But for some reason, that that uh, image definitely sticks in my mind of me sitting there in the car dealership uh, watching those impeachment votes come in in the U.S. Senate. Do you remember what you were doing on that date, Patrick? Not really, because I think uh, I think like you, we already knew that mm-hmm. there was no chance he was actually going to be convicted. So I just kind of had already long. Oh, okay, it's just a formality at this point. Mm-hmm. Continuing along, this took place on February eighteenth. So if you thought Donald Trump was bad with some of the pardons he's issued over the past few days with Jared Kushner's dad and all, uh, how about February eighteenth? Remember this when Trump commuted the sentence of former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich. Why? I'm still completely baffled as to why Trump would commute Rod Blagojevich's sentence. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. He's a Democrat, probably not someone who likes Donald Trump, but it's like he just went out and intentionally just pardoned and commuted the sentences of all the worst humans in the world, Rod Blagojevich among them. That took place back on February 18th, well before we saw the latest rash of pardons. Yeah, I forgot about that one until I looked at that list. Did you remember Blagojevich getting pardoned at all? Yeah, and that was actually one of the rare occasions that both Democrats and Republicans are like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, continuing, let's go to February 29th. This one is not centered around the U.S., but I just found this interesting. Luxembourg, of course, a small European country, becomes the first nation in the world to make public transportation free. In order to tackle pollution and traffic congestion, Luxembourg abolished fares for trains, trams, and buses, becoming the first country to do so. The government also said the move aimed to support people with low incomes or the minimum wage. Very nice gesture and a good idea. Just <laughs> unfortunately, they did that on February 29th, only days before the world completely shut down. But 
I can't even imagine the most liberal city in the United States making public transportation free, let alone an entire country. Just shows you what a different place some of those European countries are at compared to the United States. All right, March 4th. That would be Super Tuesday, where Joe Biden largely turned around his presidential election that day. In fact, I remember when I was broadcasting with the Devil's Advocates and Dom and Crute over at the Park Tavern in St. Louis Park, all of us were completely shocked that Joe Biden won Minnesota on Super Tuesday. I don't know how you felt about that, Patrick, but I thought for sure, being that Bernie Sanders had won Minnesota by such a wide margin over Hillary Clinton in 2016, I thought 2020, he's got to be a shoe in to win our state. But turns out, we were a Biden state of all things. Not a Klobuchar state, not a Bernie state, but we ended up going for Joe Biden. And that was a theme that entire Super Tuesday night where we just had Joe Biden racking up victories where no one thought he would even finish in the top two or three. That was really a stunning night to me politically and solidified, of course, Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee. Absolutely. I had that same thought because I think there were other states uh where that same thing happened, I don't want to name any because I'll probably be wrong about. But mm-hmm. there, there were a couple other ones that that looked like they were going to certainly go for Bernie at at the very least, and they didn't. And you know, certainly, I think over that weekend, it did end up being such a huge boost for Biden when Pete Buttigieg turned in his. Uh, you know, he. I've tried to think of a you know a funny way to say that he dropped out of the race and uh, you know. Yeah, I, I know where you're going with that. Yeah, a lot of candidates essentially dropped out of the race after Super Tuesday just by those very surprising Biden results. So that was March 4th, Super Tuesday of this year. All right, we'll do a few of these rapid fire since we are running a little bit short on time. March 9th, that is when the Dow Jones suffered its worst single-day point drop ever. That was really <laughs> a big event that happened over not necessarily one day, but almost a one-month period where the Dow Jones was close to 30,000. And by the time we got, I think, towards late March, it had dropped to about 20,000, losing almost one-third of its value in about a one-month period. That was an even bigger drop than we saw during the Great Depression. March 11th, this, I think, is when COVID really hit home for a lot of people. Here's why. March 11th is when we had the combination of Tom Hanks getting confirmed for having COVID-19 and the NBA pausing their season. Those two events that took place on the same night, I think Patrick really set the stage for people realizing that COVID-19 was going to be deadly serious when we had, yeah, Tom Hanks getting COVID and the NBA canceling their season. Absolutely. And on the local level, you recall we had uh, the girls and boys basketball tournaments getting canceled mid-tournament. So they'd already played some games, and they'd started working their way toward determining state champions in those sports, and they said, we got to stop. We can't keep playing. It's over. We're done. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember St. Patrick's Day also being big as well, since I think that was the date when restaurants officially had to close. So... Yeah, that mid-March period was very, very tumultuous, to say the least. Uh, March 24th, that is when the Summer Olympics were officially canceled. Can you believe that for like a two-week period, officials in 
with the Tokyo Olympic Committee were still thinking they could hold the Olympics in 2020. There is no way that could have happened whatsoever. I'm surprised it took them that long to decide that, yeah, we probably need to postpone the Olympics. March 27th, that is when British Prime Minister Boris Johnson became the first world leader to get COVID-19. April 14th, that is when Donald Trump decided the U.S., yeah, we should stop funding the WHO. Yeah, great timing doing that on April 14th. April 15th, not tax day, but one of the days when we saw Kim Jong-un and the death rumors really start to uh, take hold. If you remember this back in April and earlier this spring, it was rumored that Kim Jong-un was dead since, like, no one had seen him in public for several weeks. And it really hit a fever pitch on April 15th when Kim Jong-un missed a ceremony for his grandfather. So it turns out he apparently is still alive. I don't know if I can be 100% certain about that being that it is the North Korean media. But that was a big rumor back in March and April of this year that Kim Jong-un was dead. I think there were more death rumors over the fall that that those kind of resurfaced that something he might be dead or incapacitated or something. And like you said, nobody really knows. And I've heard that that what's regarded as the top North Korean intelligence coming out of the uh, South Korean side is just as notoriously unreliable as anything else. So even though they're pumping out, this is what's going on. They don't know. Yeah. And 2020 has been such a whirlwind for me. I even forgot that that was another rumor at that fall. I think you're right, though, that people were thinking that, that, uh, that Kim Jong-un could possibly be dead, uh, yeah, back in like September and October. May 3rd is the day when murder hornets arrived in the U.S. If you remember those things, they're an invasive insect known officially, or at least scientifically, as Asian giant hornets. Uh, They were spotted for the first time in the United States when they invaded Washington State. They can measure up to two inches long, and they can wipe out entire bee colonies within hours. That was May 3rd when we had the big murder hornet scare. May 25th, that is unfortunately the day when George Floyd was killed in police custody, leading to global protests and a real summer of protesting and reckoning for, I think, a lot of people around the country and at least changed the trajectory of the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of racial justice movements. Now, whether those have been able to sustain themselves, I think, is somewhat questionable because, at least to me, Patrick, I feel like back in May and June, people were very, very supportive of Black Lives Matter and racial justice. But I feel like those attitudes have really waned over the past few weeks and months. And when people saw protesters destroying property and so on and so on, I think that's when support for the movement started to wane somewhat. By the way, that's not a valid reason whatsoever to stop supporting the movement. I think it just shows how soft people were supporting Black Lives Matter at the time. You know, and people like things that have easy fixes, right. and this was not going to be an easy, it was, it's not even going to be a five or ten year fix. This is something that's probably going to take generations to fully I mean, that, that would be if, – if everybody was on board with this tomorrow and we had a concrete plan, which we don't, and it, 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 and I don't even think there is a such thing as a plan or a, or a really a, – a there's no just one thing that's going to get this on the right track. 
Yeah, and, and it's a topic that deserves a lot more time than I have left on the show. But it was a summer of unrest here in Minneapolis as, of course, we had the aftermath of the George Floyd murder. And then, of course, we had what uh, – occurred in Wisconsin, we in Kenosha, we also had the murder of Brianna Taylor, just an overall really sad year, and unfortunately we don't have time since we're down to the final few minutes of the show to get more into that, but just want to run through a few more events before we wrap up the show and my final new show of 2020. Uh, some other events that took place uh, throughout this year, June 8th, that is when New Zealand was declared COVID-19 free. Gee, if only we had taken those steps. July 14th, that would be Jelaine Maxwell being arrested. She, of course, is the the wife of the disgraced Oh, why am I blanking on his name, Patrick? Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that was when she was arrested. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? August 17th, Kamala Harris chosen as the Democratic vice presidential candidate. August 28th, Chadwick Boseman died. He, of course, was the star of Black Panther. Another uh, very, very sad story of 2020. September 18th, we have the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and of course, shortly thereafter, Republicans confirming Amy Coney Barrett completely going back on their own logic that they had back in 2016 when we had another Supreme Court vacancy. Uh, what else happened in 2020? October 2nd, Donald Trump tests positive for COVID-19. Although I got a feeling that he tested positive for COVID well before then, considering how quickly he made his recovery. I do love the fact, too, as he was going through his COVID thing, saying everyone should get the same cocktail of treatment I got. Yeah, no one can afford that on our current health care system. November 3rd, that would be Election Day. Now, Besides the obvious results of Joe Biden winning the presidency, do want to point out some important progressive victories that happened on November 3rd. Four states appeared to have legalized recreational marijuana. Meanwhile, voters in Colorado and Oregon approved tobacco sales tax hikes by two-thirds margins. And they approved a measure to raise Arizona's tax rate for wealthier residents in order to boost school funding. Uh, let's see what else happened. Colorado voters back the creation of a family and medical leave system with 57% of the vote. They also decisively rejected a measure that would have restricted abortion rights. So there were some good progressive measures that were passed over this year. And finally, uh, last event I'll bring up because I am running short on time, December 23rd, only a few days ago. That would be when Donald Trump went on his pardon binge and ended up... Uh, pardoning Charles Kushner, the father of son-in-law Jared Kushner, as well as two others who were uh, pardoned as well, including uh, Roger Stone and Paul Manafort. So <laughs> kind of come full circle as we talked about how back in February Blagojevich was pardoned. Yeah, he continued that in 2020, uh, just a few days ago, pardoning more just awful people. All right, I am just about out of time for my show, the final one I'll be doing of 2020. And then make sure you listen to us in 2021, our new broadcast schedule and our new local programming, which will be airing from 4 until 7. We got Matt weekdays at 4 o'clock. I'll be a part of that show and Robert Pilot every weekday at 6. Find our full new broadcast schedule over at am950radio.com. We got Matt McNeil coming up next.